0: Our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 21 through 37. You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you're angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you're offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go, first to be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're on the way to court with them, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for for your whole body to go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes or no, no, anything more than this comes from the evil one. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Spirit of living God, fall fresh now on this preacher, amen. There's a book that I ran across And the title of the book is What is the Least I Can Do or the Least I Can Believe and Still Be a Christian? The book is is written by Martin Thielen. And some find the book actually useful and helpful for those who want to know the essence of the faith. But a title like that seems to go against the teaching and and the text from the Sermon of the Mount that we have been dealing with the last few weeks. Today's gospel text is a bit different. And I've got to tell you, this is not one that I have preached on often (laughs) in 40 years. When I get past 524, I just skip to chapter 6 but I, I thought that I had to challenge myself to dive deeply into this very difficult text. It's so different than what we've been hearing. Last Sunday, Jesus was calling us to be the salt of the earth and a light on a hill. And the week before, Jesus was handing out blessings left and right like on Ophah. Bless to you, bless to you, bless to you. You get a blessing, you get a blessing. But today we hear Jesus getting deep into the Old Testament law. And those of you like me who tend to be a little skeptical, probably thinking, well, that just figures, Jesus. Here I thought you were inviting me into your family and calling me with nice names and, and giving me all these blessings. But now I get another laundry list of to do and not to do. And not only is Jesus upholding the laws like do not murder and do not commit adultery, but he's also making them infinitely more difficult to keep. And i got to be very honest with you. At first glance, for me, this is a scary text, full of divorce and dismemberment and other things that I really don't want to deal with or think about. I've been divorced, and I remarried a woman that's divorced. It's it's uncomfortable, Jesus. What are you talking about? This is a text all about the law. Or is it? What if what Jesus is presenting is not a threat with dire consequences? He's not, I don't think, talking about if we don't live by the rules, these are the consequences. What if it's not a list of rules to follow, But instead of more, it's more of an instructional video on how to live life together as sisters and brothers in the kingdom of God. Let's just play with that a minute. First, Jesus says, don't get angry at your siblings. Don't insult them. Don't use harmful and disparaging words against them. It's just as bad as physically harming them. Well, unfortunately, based on that alone, we United Methodists are in trouble because over the last general conference or so, we've been really talking bad about each other. And it looks like we failed pretty miserably. If this were strictly a list of demands and consequences, we'd all be in pretty, pretty bad shape with God right now. Jesus is raising the standard of behavior in this text. And I think he's making it a little harder for us to be a Christian or followers of the way because I, I think he wants us to go deeper and think more about our individual selves or our individual congregations, but think about how we impact the world, that how we live and how we treat one another as Christians impacts what people believe about the God we serve. He wants us to go further. In short, he's asking us not to simply follow the rules, but to be and to consider how our behavior, how the choices we make, how the attitudes we have toward each other and and the wider community that we live in, how we are impacting the world in which we live in. He's talking about our influence on Christ, or how Christians can influence the world just by our behavior and how we treat one another, living in a positive way with each other. We also see in this text that he's calling us to be forgiving people and be reconciling people. In every relationship, our prayers can include openness to healing our rifts. He wants us to realize the most important thing that we have is each other. And we can't afford to let relationships go sour because you believe this or I believe that. He's calling us to go deeper and find a way to be disagreeable without being ignorant, as he would call us. Relationships within the body of Christ are important, There's so many relationships of the church with the as so all the relationships with the with the wider community. What additional needs can we really get involved in that Al has already gave us a list of what we've already doing? If our church is in relationship with the community around us, we can change, blooming to normal, just by showing up at Safe Harbor or Home Sweet Home or Baby Fold and one of the other ministries that we support just to be a presence in the mix of those who need to see a loving presence. Because when God created us, God didn't, he, could, he created us to have a relationship with him. God was not lonely. God created us, but God didn't want his, because he wanted his creation to worship and praise him in order for us, my brothers and sisters, to do so. We must have a relationship with God, with the God who created us, which is a difficult thing to do. Jesus is pointing that out. I've said it before. God is not looking for us to be perfect or holy and religious when it comes to him, but he does want us to be in relationship with him. Have you ever noticed that it's a lot easier to deal with people when your relationship with them is going well? You can talk to them about anything and everything. You're not on guard when you're around them. You can hang around hang out with them and not worry about what they are thinking about you. You don't have to worry about avoiding them when you see them coming, but you can spend quality time with someone who's your brother and sister in the kingdom because of your relationship. Newsflash, brothers and sisters, most times we avoid talking to God because we don't believe our relationship with God is in a right place. Because sometimes we know we're not doing everything to build our relationship with God. We may have let our prayer time slip. We may not come to worship the way we should. We may not be serving and using the gifts the way we know we should. But let me hurry up and say, Jesus paid it all. I've learned, my friends, that I'm I, God loves me no matter what. God sent his son Jesus into this world to die on a Golgotha's cross to seal the deal between a relationship with he and I and once I confess my love for Jesus and once I confess that he is my Lord I can't even mess up the relationship that God has established between me and God through the son Jesus Christ. That's foolproof. Our relationship with God is all right. The challenge is us knowing that it's okay and then taking that, knowing what God thinks about us and spreading it among our sisters and brothers. Sometimes, when I know I'm not living right, I don't pray right, I don't give right, I don't love right, but God will patiently wait for us to come back to him. Just like in that story of the prodigal son, who went up to his daddy and said, when you die, you're gonna give me an inheritance. Well, I don't wanna wait till you die. Give me my inheritance now. And his daddy, hurt that he was leaving, gave him the money, and he spent all of his inheritance living riotously, they say, Living in the moment, to the point where he wound up in a hog pen. And that's not a place for a Jewish kid to be. In that hog pen, He began to think, my father has hired help that eats better than this. There's no sense in me living down here in this. I'm going to go back and beg my father to be one of his hired hands. And so he gets up and he goes home. And before he can get close to the house, his father sees him. And in Jewish law, his father commits a sin because he takes off and starts running toward his son. Old man was forbidden to run in Jewish law, but he ran to get the son. Because that, my brothers and sisters, that parable that Jesus tells us is what God wants us to know about God. Obviously, the father in that parable is representation of God. God is always ready to welcome us back no matter how long we think we've been away from God. God is always willing to run to us, to grab us and restore us back into the family. And if you keep on looking at that text, as the son and the father are healed, now the older brother, which represents the church, the older brother is now upset. He was on the inside, now he's on the outside. My brothers and sisters, that relationship between the younger brother and the older brother and the father is important and indicative of what God wants us to be as the kingdom of God. First, realize that you can't do nothing to make God stop loving and caring for you. Second of all, the relationship we have with our siblings in the kingdom is really important. Jesus is dealing with a few things in this text on the Sermon of the Mount, but the most of them has to do with how we live together. First thing he says, if you're going to get your relationship right with each other, we better be careful how we treat each other. Verse 21, 22. In these verses, Jesus is dealing with the topic of murder, which is the taking of one's life. If we were to closely take inventory of this, we would come to the conclusion that we don't have the power to give life, and therefore we shouldn't take life. When he said in verse 21, you have heard it said that those who of ancient times you shall not murder and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. What he's really saying, he's making reference to is Exodus 20:13 and Deuteronomy 5:17 which both reads thou shall not kill. This word kill in this text means to murder, slay, or in other words, take another's life. And I found, my friends, that most people in the kingdom of God normally don't kill people by taking their lives. But we do have the power to kill people, to kill their goals, to kill their dreams, to kill their spiritual growth, because God has gifted every one of us and the church's major responsibility is to move everything out of the way so that we can use the God-given gifts that we have for the building of the kingdom of God and the spreading of the good news throughout the world. Here's what I'm getting at. People join a local church because that God has given them a gift. This gift that Jesus says leave at the altar, when you read it in the Greek, it is basically saying that it's a gift from God. These people are bringing their gifts because they believe God has given it to me, and now I'm giving it back to God. And Jesus is saying, before you give that thing back, your heart's not quite in the right place. You're doing the right thing, but your heart's not right. Go and find your sister or your brother and First make peace with them, then bring your offering back. You're making the total, total offering now. You're offering yourself and sacrificial living, and you're offering your respect to what God has created. My brothers and sisters, the whole text, particularly in 21-23, is trying to tell us that there is nothing in this world more important than you and I. We may have differences of opinion, We certainly have different style of dress. (laughs) But that shouldn't, that should not have any impact on how we treat each other, how we live with one another. I don't have the right to treat you as if you're not kinfolk in the kingdom of God. My responsibility is to treat you as a child of God. I may not like some things you say about me. I may not like some of the things you do. But my job is to find a way to reconcile that so that we can be God's people and representatives of Jesus Christ in the world. That's what Jesus is calling us to do. He uses an old word, raka. It's translated, you, if you do that, you are an empty person. If you do that, you are worthless. If, if you don't do that, you're just empty. And what he's trying to say, you don't want to be empty or shallow. Given a gift that God has given you back at the offering time, it's not what God is after. What God is after is the gift of love manifested in you and how we treat one another. So then in verse 23, 24, he says, so when you are making your offering gift at the altar, you should remember your sister and brother and have something, if you have something against you, they have something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go first reconcile to your brother and sister then come and offer your gifts. What he's saying is very, be very careful how we deal with one another. Right here the Lord begins to get really deep on us. He's dealing with the fact that we can't rightfully bring a sincere gift to him if we have issues with one another. The word gift in the text comes from the Greek word doron, which literally means present, a special gift that God has given to you. God has given you these finances, but God has also given you the ability to be reconciled, be healed people, and be in relationships with people. I sometimes say, when I, when I can't do things, or are not quite up to the Lord's standard. Well, he knows my heart. He'll excuse me. He knows that I, I got a problem with so-and-so and so-and-so. And so. But he knows I still love him. Guess what? He does know our hearts. And right when it comes to dealing with each other, he knows how if we don't have a re- reconciling heart, It's not what God wants. God wants us to be on full display for the world that you can live with people who you disagree with. Now those of you who are married and y'all in here together now, look at me now, don't look at each other. One of the things that the Lord is dealing with here is the whole thing is about reconciliation, reestablishing a close relationship with each other. Friends, People think that folks wanna join a church because of the age of the pastor or the way the choir sings or the way the, 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 the pastor speaks. But brothers and sisters, I've discovered in 40 years, people wanna join a church where they feel love when they walk in the door. When they see how we treat one another, they wanna be a part of that because the world that they're coming from the outside into the church is hostile. Nobody wants to be in a place where folk are fighting. You can go home for that. Oh, no. (laughs) We want to be in a place to where we feel that I'm accepted with my faults and all. Whether I'm tone deaf or not, I'm accepted. We want to be in a place where we feel like I'm cared for and I'm loved. See how they love each other? If they love each other like that, maybe they can love me. Three. Bad feelings between family members hinders our worship. Worship is meaningless, and unless a person is in right relationship with family members in the kingdom of God. Relationships must always precede worship. That's why we should have fellowship time. That's why we have coffee and donuts in the morning, so that we can, we can be with each other and, and, and know that I'm loving being in your presence for, and I've got to rush on Worship is time for us to reflect and examine our hearts and lives to see if there's anything wicked within me. It's essential that we search our hearts. Worship is not acceptable if I have bad feelings against my brothers and sisters in my heart. I can't worship God if I'm mad at you. The bottom line is that we cannot come into the Lord's house to worship him in spirit and in truth. If I have a lot of unresolved issues with my brother or sister, the Bible teaches us in 1 John, those who say I love God and hate brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother and sister whom they see cannot love God whom they've not seen. It is a manifestation of our love of God. How we treat each other, how I treat you is an outward expression of what my relationship with God is like. I love you because God loves you. I love you because God sent Jesus into the world to die for you. You were so precious that God didn't want to be God without you. So he sent his son to be a sacrifice that we would never be out of God's presence again. Who am I to treat you like you are nothing or nobody when God treats you so, so precious that God would do anything with you? Family, we've got to learn how to love one another, get along with one another. If we want to evangelize the world, the hardest thing that we could do and the easiest way to do it is how we treat one another and how we treat people in the street. Members of the kingdom have got to stop letting the devil bring up old stuff and take what we're doing as a church off the front page. What Al was talking about the things that we're doing around town and around the world as United Methodists, that should be on the front page, not disaffiliation, not angry with one another. What should be on the front page is all the work that we're doing around the world in the name of Jesus Christ. We should have on the front page of the news that United Methodist Committee on Relief already is in relationship with Syria and Turkey, already on the ground bringing tents, bringing food, bringing blankets, bringing heat, bringing clothes, and they're doing that because your offering makes it possible. 100% of every nickel you give to UMCO hits the ground that should be on the front page not how we are badly treating one another not how we're not getting along and fighting we let the devil take the good news of Jesus Christ off of the front page of our lives and put what put what this us on the front page we've got to stop letting the evil one doing that we are too important to God's mission to the world family We've got to be careful how we deal with each other because how we deal with each other is what God is requesting for us. That's sacrificial living. Sacrificial living, my brothers and sisters, is taking my hand, taking your hand, and if necessary, agree to disagree, but always keep us us walking in love, in harmony. My friends, we will change the world, not by how we give, not by how we invite people into the sanctuary. We will change the world by how people see us treating one another. Do you think people want to come to Calvary if they are around Calvary members and they're saying, you know, <laughs> that pastor they got, he's old, he's retired, and he wears stupid jackets. I don't know what's wrong with <laughs> Nobody wants to be in a church like that. Or they come to church and they say, you know, Bob, he come to church and he's trying to show off by giving his money. He don't really care about Jesus. How we treat each other will evangelize the world. You don't have to go up and ask people, you got a church home? You don't have a church home Come to Calvary? They are watching how we deal with each other. That will change lives. I want to be around people who care about each other. I want to be around people who have a goal of loving each other and loving God. I want to be around people where when I see them, I'm seeing a genuine love of Jesus Christ that can look past my faults and see my needs. Friends, we have everything we need to change the world for Jesus Christ. God gave it to us. He showed us what a relationship is all about. He sent Jesus and said, "This this is what it means to love. This is what it means to care. And then he put us in a family called the kingdom of God, the family of Christ. This is what it means to love each other. This is what it means to support each other. This is what it means to walk hand in hand with a cancer patient. This is what it means to walk hand-in-hand hand to somebody that's got addicted on drugs. This is what it means to walk hand-in-hand hand with someone whose life has fallen in the ditches in their own hard times. We love them because God loves them. Spirit of living God, thank you so much. These texts are difficult texts, but I find them necessary. For us to continue, continue, continue to examine our relationships with each other. It's so easy to change the world with a smile, with a laugh, with a hug. So easy to change the world by watching what comes out of our mouth. James said the tongue is a difficult thing. Holy Spirit of God, descend on us. Continue to make us, continue to mold us, continue to shape us. In the name of the one we call the Christ, amen.